Good morning. Welcome to our guests at St. Mike's today. It's good to have you. This feast of Christ the King. So 500 years before Jesus Christ was ever born uh, in China, there was a military uh, general. His name was Sun Tzu. And Sun Tzu wrote a book called The Art of War. Some of you may have read The Art of War. It had a huge impact, actually, on a number of the American generals, including Patton, MacArthur, and Norman Schwarzkopf, The Art of War. And it's really interesting, actually, if you read The Art of War. I mean, we're talking 2,500-year-old book. And one of the things that it says, which is <laughs> it's a little bit of an obvious point, but we can forget it, it says that if you really want to take down your opponent, work on yourself first. It's kind of an obvious point, right? I mean, the saints would say the same thing. Is it work on yourself first, yeah? The way, the way he says that, he said, imagine that you're looking at your army from the other soldier's perspective. And the first thing would be, of course, that you look, what are their weak points, right? Okay, that's where they're going to attack. And so if we apply this to, say, the spiritual life, you may have heard me say this before, but maybe we need to repeat it. How would someone attack you? How would, a, like Satan, as we hear about in this gospel, how would he attack you? What's your weak point? Is it worry? Is it envy? Is it jealousy? Is it your temper? Or maybe it's none of that. You know what I see? Self-doubt self-criticism. Man, those are massive for a lot of people. Self-doubt and self-criticism. You know what that means? Let's translate what self-criticism means. It means, I am not good enough. Nobody knows what I've done. These are little voices in the back of your head that say you're never going to be good enough, where we compare ourselves to other people. That is never from God. It's never from God. That's, and that's what he's going to do, right? It's like the art of war. He's going to keep coming at us with this because <laughs> this is our weak point. Okay, well, we need to shore that up, right? I mean, would we all agree on that? Amen? Okay, well, how do we do that, Father? Well, first of all, we recognize what the weak point is. But we also recognize that it may well be that our greatest enemy is not Satan or somebody else. You know what it is? Our own bad thinking. Maybe that's your enemy. It can be our own bad thinking. You know, in, uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 18, Jesus is standing nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball, with Pontius Pilate, who's about to kill him, right? And Pontius Pilate asked Jesus, are you a king? Because these people are telling me that you're a king. Are you actually a king? Because you don't look like a king. And Jesus looks at him and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. It's what we celebrate today, Christ the king. And so Pilate is mocking him, right? He says, oh, so you're a king. Well, tell me, your highness, where's your kingdom? Because I don't see it. And then, of course, he has him scourged and clothed in purple, which, by the way, when you see your priest next weekend clothed in purple for Advent, that's where we get that. But he's making fun of him. And Jesus' point is, 
I am, I'm in a spiritual battle here, buddy. And we all take part in that. Second reading today was from the, which book? I know, Father, I know. Book of Revelation. We hear about this, doing spiritual battle. It talks about the enemy. That's, so that's why I'm bringing him up, bringing this up. So we're, we're all doing this, but it may well be that our greatest battle, our greatest enemy is in our own mind. Somewhere along the line, we pick up bad thinking. We're going to be happier, better people when we let that go, or at least neutralize it. You know, I, I just want to say um, thank you so much to so many of us here, so many of you that bought uh, baked goods for our youth group. Um, I just want you to know, just so you know, we went through eight cases of butter this week. There's 32 pounds in a case, so you do the math. All right, so I hope that everybody has some Lipitor. Um, so it's a lot of butter. So those of you that, that eat margarine instead of butter, did you know in the 70s and 80s, Americans were sold this lie. We were sold this lie that margarine, good, butter, bad. And Americans bought into this hook, line, and sinker. So those of you that eat margarine, have you ever looked at what what it's made from? Check it out. Do you know that, that it's hydrogenated trans fat that has nickel in it? Okay. Yum. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay. I mean, all the farmers I know that eat butter their whole life, they live to be 100. Okay. And so when people give me a hard time for smoking cigars, I'm like, look, at least I don't eat margarine. Okay. <laughs> I got things to work on, okay? But it, it, if you pardon the, the analogy here, we, we bought into the margarine fallacy, okay? And, and we can buy into these fallacies somewhere along the line that say, I'm not good enough. It's like the margarine fallacy. I'm not as good as them. They're, they're better looking. They, have to, they don't have the financial challenges. Fill in the blank. That's all of us. My heavens, that's all of us. No good thinking comes from this, but we keep taking the bait. Keep taking the bait. If I can just make a couple humble suggestions to all of us here. Sometimes we need to disconnect from other people in order to connect better with them in the future. We need to disconnect now from them a little bit in order to connect better with them in the future. What do I mean? Those of you here who are extroverts like me, this is a lesson that we can take from our introverted friends. Pull back a little bit, work on ourselves. If I've been taking some of this bait or if I need to work on this, do your homework. When you come back out and connect with them, you will be so much happier. Number two, there's a big difference, folks, between aloneness and loneliness. There's a big difference between aloneness and loneliness. Some people, they, they cannot handle solitude or quiet. You know, every 30 seconds looking at the phone. Squirrel. Right? <laughs> they can't handle it. They're allergic to solitude. Well, you know what happens? When, when you're like that, nothing, nothing happens. Because often when there's quiet in their life, 
things come to the surface. No, we're not, oh, I'm not going there. Mm. Just so much more lighter when we deal with that. Right? There's a big difference between aloneness and loneliness. People associate those two together. That's absolutely not the case. We need some solitude, folks, in our life. I'll close with this. Just a little history, if you don't mind. Just a little bit of history. Let's learn from our history, yeah? Keeping in mind that history is literally his story, the story of Christ. Number, n- number one. So in September of 1940, as the German Luftwaffe were bombing London again and again, night after night, night after night, thousands of English were dying. Winston Churchill was in bed every night next to his wife, and he kept reading one book over and over and over again. You know what he read? Hitler's Mein Kampf. He was reading Hitler's autobiography, which Hitler wrote in prison. Mein Kampf literally means my struggle. And his wife, of course, turned to him and she's like, honey, why are you reading this horrible book? Put it down. Why, Why do you keep reading this? You know what he said? Three words. Know thy enemy. Know thy enemy. In 1978, those of you who are Catholic, the year of three popes. We had three popes that year. Pope Paul VI, John Paul II, John Paul I. As John Paul II was going in to conclave, he was reading a book. You know, he's walking in with all these cardinals and they're singing and he's reading this book. You know what he read? <laughs> As he's going in to elect a pope? The Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. So one of the other cardinals sees this. He's like, do you think this is maybe a little inappropriate for a cardinal to be reading? And his, he turned to him and said three words. Know thy enemy. It apparently worked because the following year, 1979, as pope, he went back to Poland for nine days, and it is said by historians that those nine days were the hitting of the first domino that brought down all of communism. Early 1960s, in Birmingham, Alabama, what the blacks in the South called Bombingham, because the KKK had blown up and killed so many African Americans. In Birmingham, Alabama, in early 1960s, in the civil rights struggle, there was a man in charge named Eugene Bull Connor, very adamant racist. And so Martin Luther King knew that Bull Connor was going to call out the water guns and the dogs, not on adults, but on little children, six, seven years old, letting dogs attack little children and shooting them with water cannons. That's what he did. He knew he was going to do this. So. <laughs> Martin Luther King, the day before, called the world media and invited them to come see it. And they did. And they got a first-hand picture of all these children getting sprayed with water cannons and being attacked by German shepherds all over the media around the world the next day. 
And they asked, Ralph Ralph Abernathy asked Martin Luther King, how did you know he was going to do this? And he said three words. Anybody know what those were? Know thy enemy. I'll close with this one. In 1995, there was an atheist named Christopher Hitchens who wrote a book attacking Mother Teresa. How on earth are you going to attack Mother Teresa? I'll never know. But he did. This whole book attacking her as being a fraud. Just horrible things. And so they brought this book to Mother Teresa and they said, Mother, I'm sorry, but we got to show you this book. And she took it and she read it and she read it and then she read it again. This whole, a whole book attacking her. Fast forward a few years in 2011 when Christopher Hitchens was, was on his deathbed. <laughs> Guess who was praying for his death, for a happy death? Mother Teresa. If he's in heaven today, it's because of the prayers of Mother Teresa. Love your enemies and pray for them. Here is my point with all of this, brothers and sisters. If we're going to know our enemy, it may well be that we have to know our own bad thinking. And as we confront that, we will be happier people. It takes a humble person and a courageous person to do that. What a wonderful Christmas present to give to your family this year.